My heart is heavy today. We've lost some incredible skill position players across the NFL and for fantasy football. Saquon Barkley. He is my best player on a number of fantasy teams. And he's gone. He's gone. His knee went the wrong way, man. It's over. One of the greatest running back talents of all time. Won't be playing football this year. And the man that posted one of the best football seasons of all time. One Christian McCaffrey. He has a high ankle sprain. And I know he's going to miss a couple weeks, but it's not going to be the same when he comes back. High ankle sprain is high ankle. Fuck! This is terrible. Cortland Sutton. One of the signature size speed specimens. One of the few true young alphas remaining has a serious knee injury. And his quarterback, Drew Locke, he's going to miss up to six weeks with a severely sprained shoulder. So today we mourn. The season won't be the same without them. But we must move forward with courage, passion, and dignity. Oh, to see Paris Campbell flying down a football field again. I want to be there. I want to be there. This was such a hard week. Just so much sorrow. So I would ask all of you, wherever you are, to take a moment to remember these heroes. Because they were good at scoring fantasy points. And our teams won't be the same without them. There will be silver linings, but today is not the day to discuss silver linings. Today we bow our heads and have a motherfucking letter for the day And you're
you're not even on Ronald Jones, dude. 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 And you're not even on Ronald Jones, dude. Goodbye, Ronald. Oh, Ronald. Goodbye. Hello, Lenny. It's so on! Guess we're just those donkeys trapped in a little Fortnite, eh? Maybe if you were on Ronald Jones, I could get on board. Oh. <laughs> oh, it was a good day. I slept 10 hours. Solid last night. I've never slept so soundly. Why? Because it's clear now. Leonard Fournette is going to be a monster. Only Aaron Jones stands in his way. Being the number one running back in fantasy this year. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's in his range of outcomes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Eeyaw. 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 Oh, look at us donkeys drafting Leonard Fournette. <laughs> oh, baby. And the best part, the best part, the best part of all is the arrival of Leonard Fournette also nullifies Ronald Jones. That Ronald Jones has been vanquished. And you're not even on Ronald Jones, dude. Maybe if you're on Ronald Jones, I could get on board. The idea that Ronald Jones was destined for some kind of breakout this year, that he was a guy you could build around with your 0-2-0 RB teams, right? How's that working out? <laughs> Meanwhile, Robust RB is working out pretty well. An underdog, I got more uh, Edwards Hilaire in the first round than anyone else. More Aaron Jones in the second round. Uh, Jonathan Taylor in the third round. Melvin Gordon in the fourth round. All working out. I mean, Melvin Gordon. 70 rush yards, 84 total yards, 16-plus fantasy points on the road against the Steelers. This is why you need bell cow backs in fantasy football. Even James Conner. If you were drafted James Conner going robust RB, good for you. He's back, baby. It's all good. They're running backs. And in that game, Deontay Johnson looks like the alpha in Pittsburgh. It's not Juju Smith-Schuster. He out-targeted Juju Smith-Schuster last week, and he almost doubled his targets against a smothering secondary in the Denver Broncos. So my number one takeaway, Leonard Fournette is happening. My number two takeaway, Robust RB is happening. My number three takeaway, Deontay Johnson is the alpha in Pittsburgh. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And Juju Smith-Schuster... <sighs> I get it. Seven catches. I get it. But he looks like the beta in that passing game. So you'll see on the Dynasty rankings, they will be updated on Wednesday. The convergence of Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster in Dynasty. That is a major takeaway from week two. And when you zoom out and look at the NFL overall, we are in the midst of an offensive renaissance. And I do not believe that this is a direct result of the shortened offseason. It's also play calling. The Pittsburgh Steelers were up 17-3 at the half. They threw the ball 41 times, only ran it 22 times. This is the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's important to the Steelers that they play a physical brand of football. And they're throwing twice as much as they're running with a double-digit lead. Think about that. Analytics have infiltrated NFL play calling. And points and fantasy points have been the result. Look at these scores. Buffalo-Miami. 31-28, Cincinnati-Cleveland, 35-30, Tennessee-Jacksonville, 33-30, 30. 
Dallas, Atlanta, 40 to 39. Green Bay, Detroit, 42-21. Most weeks, you'll see a 13-10 score. 11 points was the minimum scored by the Vikings. There were precious few teams that scored less than 20 points. Of course, Houston scored less than 20 points against Baltimore. Of course, Washington scored less than 20 points with Dwayne Haskins at quarterback. But the number of teams scoring less than 20 points and the number of teams scoring more than 30 has been a pleasant surprise. Which leads me to my fifth takeaway. Running backs must be strong in the passing game. Be careful, especially on DraftKings, a full PPR format, using running backs, especially in cash games, that are not strong receivers. This was a debate that we had internally at Player Profiler all week. Derrick Henry versus Aaron Jones. And I argued for Aaron Jones. And the models suggested that Aaron Jones had a higher ceiling than Derrick Henry. But Derrick Henry had a safer opportunity-based floor. But I prefer upside in cash. And specifically, running backs that catch passes in an NFL that has been infiltrated by analytics and is therefore de-emphasizing the run because the running game is inferior to the passing game. If you add up the outcomes of all the plays in the NFL, running plays have a negative value and pass plays have a positive value. So why the fuck are you calling run plays unless it's a situation where passing is much less efficient? Like on the two-yard line, pass plays are much less efficient because the defense has a much smaller area to cover. And you only need two yards to score a touchdown. There you're incentivized to run. So historically, teams have actually passed too much on the goal line and not run enough. But in all these other downs and distances, they've run too much. That's starting to be corrected team by team by team. And you're seeing this emphasis on the DFS lineup genius where playerprofiler.com subscribers are rich. We're rich. GP Yesterday was one of the greatest days I've ever had in my history in this business. After Leonard Fournette breaks out and removes Ronald Jones from his belly button like a piece of lint and throws him on the ground, discards him. As long as Leonard Fournette is in Tampa, Ronald Jones doesn't fucking matter. And you're not even on Ronald Jones, dude. Goodbye, Ronald. Our subscribers are sending me screenshot after screenshot after screenshot after screenshot. Won this tournament, won that tournament, won this tournament, won that tournament. Like, what lineup? What lineup? DraftKings lineup number four. DraftKings lineup number four. DraftKings lineup number four was the big winner in all of DFS on Sunday. Dak Prescott, Aaron Jones, Miles Sanders, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Calvin Ridley, Jonu Smith, Jonathan Taylor, Giants defense. Ship it! Ship it! The Giants defense, just a, just a, a little more from Cooper or the Giants defense, and it would have been even better. Because I played it on, I played it in the Millie Maker. I played this lineup in the Millie Maker and finished 10th. This is my second week playing DFS ever. Because I sat down with Josh Larkey, our data guru, and then we started constructing lineups in week one. I thought, man, Josh, we're really good at this. So I started playing all our GPP lineups in the Millie Maker. And then sure enough, boom, second week, top 10. <laughs> like, what? I barely even DFS, man. But now I'm subscribing to the Red Zone channel. I'm watching football. I'm playing DFS. Life is good, man. Finally getting out of the lab on Sundays and enjoying life with football. Oh. <laughs> now, are we going to finish top 10 in the Millie Maker every week? No. 
And I tied with a bunch of other subscribers. So only made $7,500. $7,600 to be precise. That's it. That's just, just, just $7,600. Like, like how? My second week doing this? Yeah. Daily Fantasy Sports is a solved equation. That's my number five takeaway. And Will Fuller put up zero points. And we knew the risks going in with Will Fuller. Top 10 injury probability. Right there with Deshaun Jackson and the most fragile wide receivers in the league. But when you drafted Deshaun Jackson, you drafted Will Fuller, you knew what you were getting into. These are number one wide receivers on potentially prolific offenses that were available in the mid to late rounds. You knew what you were getting. You're chasing upside. It's the reason why you're pounding running backs early and then flipping the switch over to wide receivers in the middle and late rounds like a Will Fuller, like a Deshaun Jackson, because upside wins championships. These guys all pull hamstrings in weeks one and two. You don't win. It's okay. You move on. You only had a one in 12 chance of winning anyway, but by constructing your team in such a way, you maximize your probability of winning in any given year. And pushing the button on Will Fuller was good process. It's a league winning tactic to draft players like Will Fuller. He did get injured in week two, and he didn't score any fantasy points. And he's going to cost a number of fantasy gamers a win in week two. I know it, but I'm here to reassure you that drafting Will Fuller was the right process. Now, if he were going in the third and fourth round, we likely would have said, pivot off Will Fuller. It's too risky given his ADP. But where he was being drafted, the injury probability was already baked into the cost. It's not your fault. It's not your fault you drafted Will Fuller. It was the right thing to do. It wasn't your fault you drafted Michael Gallup. I believe Michael Gallup was good process. Look at the fantasy points scored by the Cowboys. We had lineups with Michael Gallup. Those lineups didn't hit. The lineup without Michael Gallup, but with Dak Prescott, did hit. That's how it goes, man. He's going to spread the ball around every week. Keep playing Michael Gallup. He's running high-value routes Every pass snap on the outside, he's converting in contested situations, and it's going to happen for him. Cooper and Lamb can't hog all the targets every week. And Dalton Schultz isn't going to command 10 targets next week. Dalton Schultz also, rising up the dynasty rankings and the seasonal rankings, look out for those. They're dropping on playerprofiler.com shortly. And Tony Pollard, still a handcuff, still droppable. Miko Hardman, still a handcuff. Still droppable. Alexander Madison, still just a handcuff, still droppable. Why are fantasy gamers overdrafting handcuff running backs who are just going to be churned anyway? Oh, well, zero RB. Eventually, these running backs are going to hit. Yeah, maybe they'll hit in week five when you're 0-4. And then what? Takeaway, whatever it is, I've lost track. In case you haven't figured it out, there's going to be more than 10 takeaways this week. (laughs) Takeaway number whatever Zero RB drafters drafted all the wrong running backs because no one drafted Christian McCaffrey's handcuff. No one was drafting Deion Lewis. (laughs) Whoops! Zero RB fucked up again. But after zero RB drafters overspent on Benny Snell because we have fab guidance, patreon.com forward slash podfather. I put out the fab guidance. I said, spend enough to get Benny Snell in reasonable leagues, but don't don't invest more than 40% of your budget on Benny Snell. Like I saw with many fantasy gamers, like he's not even a free square yet. We don't know how much time James Conner is going to miss, if any. 
it's you can bid aggressively on Benny Snell, but not too aggressive. Max, 35% of fab. That was it. Saw Benny Snell going for 80% of fab in some leagues. Like, what? Yeah, I didn't get any Benny Snell. I tried. And then what happens? Oh, James Connors back. Robust RB wins again. And late round tight end wins again. Mark Andrews, dud. George Kittle didn't play. So if you drafted Travis Kelsey, you're in great shape. If not, if not, if not, you are better off waiting for Jonu Smith and Dallas Goddard and TJ Hawkinson. And this week, Mike Gusecki, target leader, receiving leader, fantasy points leader, Mike Gusecki, because athleticism matters in athletics. And Mike Gusecki is a monster athlete capable of putting up huge numbers on any given week especially when his team, the Dolphins, and when he's not lining up in the slot, he's actually lining up out wide. They're playing him at wide receiver. Mike Gusecki is operating as a 250-plus pound wide receiver with a 118.7 95th percentile speed score and a 99th percentile burst score and a 99th percentile agility score. I mean, he's a monster, and he knows he's a monster. He knows he's good at football. Just check out his headshot on Player Profiler. And TJ Hawkinson has a 100% catch rate through two games. That's observation number nine. TJ Hawkinson's really good at this thing called football. So keep pushing the button on TJ Hawkinson. And keep pushing the button on Jonu Smith. Every single member of this audience either has Jonu Smith or TJ Hawkinson on their fantasy team, and that will prove to be a competitive advantage on all the teams that drafted tight end early this season. Observation number 10 out of many. Late round Konami QB wins again. Now, Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson are proving to be competitive advantages for the fantasy gamers that drafted them this year, but they weren't that expensive. You were drafting... Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott at value in the mid rounds whenever possible. I happen to have a lot of Dak Prescott on underdog, as you know. And we had Russell Wilson specifically ranked ahead of Kyler Murray because the upside with Russell Wilson is number one quarterback in fantasy football. Nate Liss and I have talked about this every year for five years. And this is the year that it's actually happening because it's happening across the NFL. It's not just Russell Wilson that's cooking. The entire NFL is cooking. And if you want to go very late round quarterback, I advise drafting Cam Newton and one of Jimmy Garoppolo or Teddy Bridgewater. And what we're seeing is the Konami quarterbacks rule. They just rule. If you don't have Russ and you don't have Dak Prescott, you want Cam Newton. Because Cam Newton is running the Tim Tebow offense with the ability to throw the ball accurately. And because Cam Newton is throwing the ball accurately, Julian Edelman is set up to be a wide receiver one in fantasy football. He was the boring pick for robust running back drafters, but he was a guy that you needed to draft because you knew you could guarantee targets. You were soaking up the target share at value, knowing you needed high floor wide receivers in the middle rounds if you're going to go robust RB. And Julian Edelman was the path to do that. Not sexy, not interesting. You saw Julian Edelman on your fantasy team and you thought, eh, that's okay. Was there anyone better? Could have had Will Fuller. Yeah, we were drafting Will Fuller and Michael Gallup ahead of Julian Edelman, and that will likely prove to be a mistake. But it was still a good process to chase the upside on wide receivers that look like Michael Gallup and look like Will Fuller. But once those guys were off the board, you needed to push the button on Julian Edelman instead of drafting frozen pond running backs 
that lack true bell cow profiles and do not operate in bell cow roles in their respective offenses. Keenan Allen, close to 17 fantasy points. Just another boring slot plus target hog available at value in those middle rounds. And all of you that drafted the Aaron Joneses and the Jonathan Taylors and the Leonard Fournettes and the Melvin Gordons and then had a nice mix of high ceiling and high floor wide receivers. You have Terry McLaurin here. You have Robert Woods there. You have Keenan Allen here. You have Michael Gallup there. You have Julian Edelman here. You have Will Fuller there. Stephon Diggs here. Deontay Johnson there. Two of the NFL's target leaders. You're poised to win your league, especially if you drafted Cam Newton late. Because he's Cam Newton! I talked about this with R.C. Fisher. No other player has more upside in the double-digit rounds than Cam Newton heading into 2020. We'll run that in the outtakes. I'm going to replay the Cam Newton take. And speaking of Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones looks like Christian McCaffrey. Oh, the pod father was right again. If there's one running back that could be this year's Christian McCaffrey, it's Aaron Jones. Oh, that's such a hot take. It's crazy. Really? 168 rushing yards and two touchdowns with 68 receiving yards and a touchdown. Now, it's the Lions. Understood. But these are the types of outrageous boom performances that fueled Christian McCaffrey's 2019 production. This is why you wanted Christian McCaffrey in best ball last year and why you needed Aaron Jones in best ball this year. And if you were dicking around drafting a wide receiver in round two, you didn't get any Aaron Jones. And the Lions are now the first team in NFL history to lose four straight games in which they had a double-digit lead. Matt Patricia, you are the worst. That's the Cam Newton corollary. Absolutely. When the weapons around a mobile quarterback evaporate, they have to run more and actually score more fantasy points. It's counterintuitive, but it's absolutely true. Does anyone have more late round upside right now than Cam Newton? When I first thought about it, I thought you were crazy. And then I started looking and I'm like, you know what? That makes a hell of a lot of sense. The only name I, you know, when you start looking, you know, at the round, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th round uh, type of players. Now you're getting into handcuff backups, flyer rookie wide receivers, uh, hopeful breakout tight. And no, nobody who's assured of anything. But if Cam Newton is assured of starting with his motivations and with, I, I don't think that the Patriots wide receiver group who I like, that I don't think they fit Cam at all. And if Cam's going to run to glory to get another big contract, because he's not going to pass his way to glory, he's going to run his way to glory, then, yeah, we you could be sitting on the Deshaun Watson story that we were just talking about where they just put the team on their back as a runner. The only other name I could see that was sitting out there late to even have in the debate was if Preston Williams was actually fully healthy and ready to go. You could argue him as a number one wide receiver for Miami if everything was right, that's the only other guy I'd look at and go, wow, that's that's a guy that could have a major mm. role or be the guy being drafted that late. Cam is the only Cam is the other one and probably has the bigger upside. He's the guy I'm targeting in all traditional leagues, one quarterback, 
I'm just penciling in Cam Newton. He's my guy. And if it doesn't work out, I'll pivot and stream a quarterback. But I have a good feeling about Cam Newton. Julian Edelman is available very late. Nikhil Harry is available at the end of drafts. I'm just penciling in Cam Newton. He's my guy. Forty!